Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Small Seed Big Impact Podcast. We hope these episodes plant seeds that inspire big impacts in your life. Shane and I are your hosts. Don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know what you thought of this week's episode. All right, y'all, enjoy. Today we have our friends Ryan and Catherine joining us on the podcast. Ryan and Catherine are the founders of Bare Bones Broth, which is the highest quality bone broth on the market. They have recently launched an instant broth, which gives you the health benefits of bone broth, but the convenience of it on the go. They're also the authors of the Bone Broth Cookbook, or the Bare Bones Broth Cookbook, parents to the adorable almost two-year-old, right? Almost two? (laughs) And the most genuinely kind people shane met ryan at his old you should you should you introduce how you all met we're gonna talk about this right now <laughs> yeah. right. Ryan and i uh worked for the same startup back in 2014 very briefly before ryan decided to do his own thing um so but but at the same time he used our kitchen space so ryan and i had a lot of uh interaction together and very 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 long nights <laughs> Um, we've also probably one of the only people I've worked out with in San Diego and we've gone to church with that I've met in San Diego and actually have remained friends with, but we'll dive more into like our actual relationship. Cause I feel like the startup that we worked in, I th- what we should talk about as like a root foundation to maybe what he's doing now. Yeah. yeah but I don't mention the name of the startup because fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't know. oh, yeah. Well, I guess we can't mention the name of it either. We're not the first uh, alumnus to say that. So. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's crazy. A lot of people have a lot of a lot of like negative feelings around it, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I think I'm I'm incredibly grateful for my experience. Yeah. I just think it probably could have been better in some yeah. aspects. Yeah. Well, you makes came sense. out better and stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? There's a song of truth. Almost killed you. Every I think I think Ryan, Ryan got out of a good time though. That was that was why. Yeah, we had a good time. Well, tell, tell us about your backgrounds, because I know both of you. Well, Ryan, you were you are a chef, aren't you? By, uh, people like, keep, people always say that about me. I don't act, I'm not, I only cook like for myself and my family now. So I don't really think of myself as a chef, but um, I did go to culinary school um, and I did have a brief stint cooking professionally. Um, so if you want to call me a chef, that's great. At one of the <laughs> finest dining establishments in San Diego. He's very humble. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> like, but you were, before that, you were in the military like go uh, yeah. i want to go back okay how far back <laughs> to the day you were born where do you think it all started yeah. okay, um, july 2nd 1985 <laughs> uh, two months premature which is a fact uh, we won't go back that that's true. It's yeah. true he was so tiny he could fit in his mom's hand oh, oh my god so, I, I mean, yeah Whoa. You're not teeny tiny now. So. <laughs> I attribute that to my, I don't know, spirit. Uh, I, I basically had to fight to stay alive for two months. So um, I don't know. It might not be true, but it's my story. It's definitely yeah. true. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I grew up in Ohio. I joined the Navy right after high school, uh, which has brought, brought me to San Diego. Um, and I did that for five years. And then I got out. I stayed in San Diego because it's way better than Ohio. Um, and then I <laughs> school. Uh, I changed my major a bunch of times. Um, and then I ended up in culinary school. But uh, the reason I ended up in culinary school is because I've always really been into food and nutrition um, and, and, and cooking. Uh, since I was a kid, I just really liked cooking. I didn't at the time didn't know anything about nutrition, but uh always into cooking, always wanted to do something with food, I think. Um, and I thought I needed to go, you know, get a four year degree. Um, especially after the military, when it was going to be paid for, I kind of just felt like I had to do it. 
Um, but I freaking hate school. Um, <laughs> and I suck at it and I don't like it. And, um, and yeah, it's kind of great. Cause now we're like, we're, we're in this like time and space and humanity where like college is being sort of exposed for what it is, which is giant. Not to, I know you went to college, uh, Holly. So, um, and, and so did you. So. <laughs> I'm like, it's just a money making industry. They're just taking all of our money and giving us a piece of paper supposedly need to show people like, look, I'm worthy. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's kind yeah. of, I don't want to speak ill of it. Like I think it has its place, but it's just, I don't like it. Um, so it's not um, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what what really got me into like the nutrition piece of it was um um when I was 18, my my dad passed away. Um he had he he was 39, so he just kind of had a heart attack one day and died, and that was it. Um and I was 18, so that was very scary to me. Um and so I I just like I think I think I was scared, you know, like I don't want that to happen to me. Like what can I do? Um, well, I can't change my genetics, right? Like I, this is just who I am. Um, if this is in my family history, then like, okay. Uh, but I just started thinking about like the way that they lived and they, it wasn't very healthy. Like my, my grandfather died very early too, like older than my dad, but still young. Um, but from, he had like two or three heart attacks before he passed. Um, and so I just thought about their lifestyle. They were, my grandpa was a truck driver. They both, my dad smoked. They didn't really eat you know they just kind of eat whatever you don't even think about where you're eating um and historically until recently right people don't really think about what they're eating what they're putting in their body um and now it's like even evolved beyond that right like with the environment um being like something people think about now right so um yeah it's that was kind of what started my interest in nutrition was just like a fear of not wanting to die at 39 so um, you know, as I get closer to that age, um, you know, I, I definitely something I think about all the time. So uh, it's the thing it's a it's the thing that sort of fuels me to continue to take care of myself because I want to be here uh, for my family. So um, that's how I got into food. That's how I got into nutrition. Um, after the military, like I said, went to school, changed my major 50 times, uh, went to culinary school, worked at a restaurant, um, a really nice restaurant here in San Diego for about six months before I realized that lifestyle was not really conducive to this, the, these values that I had been establishing for wellness and taking care of myself. Um, just with the long hours and, and chefs, the cooks in that industry, like they smoke, they stay out late, they drink. Like it's just, they don't eat at all during shift. If they do, they're like munching on stuff, you know? So it's like, it's just a terrible environment. Even though you're like, even though you're like working with the freshest, best like food ingredients, uh, no one's healthy. Um, it just, it kind of just seemed backwards to me. So, um, I actually told my chef, like, uh, you know, I, I, like I'm putting in my two weeks, like, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but like, I want to be in a position to help like heal people through food. And that's what I told him. And I left and then I got a job at, uh, uh, the place where I'm at, uh, Shane. Uh, <laughs> I was afraid you were going to say it for a second. I almost did. Yeah. I, sometimes I say it. Sometimes yeah. I don't. <laughs> you got can and, you guys beep out stuff if we say it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah yeah if you actually slip like anything you don't want i can either cut it out or beep it out Perfect. um and yeah so i i really enjoyed uh my time there and i think i think what i enjoyed about it is like for one like when i when i had um uh when i had come into this place, it's gonna be hard to not say it right i know when I had come into this place, I was sort of living, you know, in terms of it's, we'll just say it's a meal delivery company. Um, and I already sort of ate and lived um, a lifestyle that, that, that sort of like diet uh, or, or food view or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was sort of already involved in those communities like CrossFit. Um, and so I thought, I just felt really great being a part of that. Like it, I wasn't, you know, it's a, it was a world away from fine dining, um, you know, cooking boxes of cow and, and all of that. Uh, it was kind of, it was like the reason, it was like the type of cooking that I like, that you do in the military was the reason I didn't, wasn't a cook in the military because I didn't want to do that. Uh, so it was kind of ironic in some ways that I ended up doing that sort of boat cooking, but I believed in the, um, the sort of underlying premise of it, like sourcing locally um, was 
super important to me. I was really into that. I still am. Um, and just like clean food, really, like it's it's mostly unadulterated. It's like cooked with minimal spices and seasonings. And um, anyway, uh, that that was uh, I really just believed in it. And the fact that it was very startupy and scrappy, and I got to participate in every little piece of it. Um, not every piece, like I think Shane did a lot, a lot more of the like sort of management of it than me. But like it didn't. I didn't. I just needed to like. I was just so inspired. I guess coming from um, fine dining where I left, where I had went to school to do this thing, right. To cook. And then I got into that industry and like hated it immediately. And I felt very deflated. And so I was kind of deflated leaving the the restaurant. And then I discovered Pete's and I, it kind of gave me a new, (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pete's, uh, Pete's coffee. Um, (laughs) <laughs> not my favorite You're a horrible business owner. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about your what about your background, Catherine? Um so my I guess I'll start with my nutrition journey because that's where every everything else is irrelevant really before that. Um so I was in college, speaking of college, when I was diagnosed with arthritis in my feet. And at the time I was a dancer and I was running a lot and I knew when I got the diagnosis, like the pain was excruciating and like no amount of cortisone shots or Celebrex pills was helping. So like I knew I was going to be in pain for the rest of my life. Um, And every step I took, I would remember that I had arthritis. So fast forward seven years or so, I was living in Hawaii and I met this guy and um, he introduced me to the, this lifestyle, this way of eating called paleo. And at the time I was a vegetarian and I I read this book, The Primal Blueprint. That Ryan, oh, you're a pescatarian. I was a pescatarian, but I mean, <laughs> there is a difference. but I, I, I didn't know if we wanted to get into the explanation of the difference, but um. Yeah, so I I read the Primal Blueprint by Mark Sisson, and I follow. I went from pescatarian to like total carnivore overnight, and um, uh, thirty days in, I realized my pain was gone, and I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> like, and that was when I realized because I had no expectations going into this way of eating for anything. I didn't believe what we ate mattered. Um, I just believed like no matter what you eat, you just stay active and work out and you're going to be fine. But this just, this turned everything on its head. And I realized what we eat, like what we consume on the day to day can either be like a slow and silent killer or apparently the most powerful form of healing and like a fairly inexpensive way to heal something that otherwise was chronic. So that just changed my whole life um, in the in the space of a month. And ever since then, I've been deeply passionate about food and nutrition and uh, sort of a, a pseudo evangelist among my friends for just like being conscious of how you eat. And then when Ryan started Bare Bones, I was I was a journalist at the time working at the Union Tribune in San Diego. And I just I thought it was a side hustle for him. And I was supportive, was. but like verbally, <laughs> it was, yeah. I was more verbally supportive and I didn't really know I I didn't really know the potential or see the potential. And I had no business experience or cooking experience. So I just thought this was his thing. So <laughs> she's like, Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> you finally have a passion. <laughs> finally something you can stick with. Yeah, right. When did you first hear about bone broth? Um, well, I heard about I mean, really, I mean, let's just be honest here. Bone broth, and I'll say this to anybody, it, bone broth is stock. Uh which stock is not anything new. It's not like this like revolutionary uh, you know, thing that just <laughs> bone broth is just so is really just a term um that became popular. What's the uh, difference between What's the difference between stock and bone? Like, is there a difference between stock and bone broth? Um, <laughs> I think there is in the packaged food world, which is kind of, okay. which is usually, um, which is, I think, why bone broth has become a thing, because there is a difference. Uh, unfortunately, when with a lot of food products, you know, they end up becoming commodities and 
stock packaged broths and stocks are definitely, um, you know, commodity products, at least historically. Um, and they're, 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 they're made, they're, they're products that are made, uh, you know, from byproducts of the meat industry, right? Like a lot of things. Um, and so they're, they're just manufactured as inexpensively and cheaply as possible. Um, which is why, which is why you still to this day can buy, you know, a 32 ounce carton of stock or broth for a dollar 99 in some places. Um, and, and, but if you look at the nutrition panel on it, like there's nothing there, it's nothing. There's no protein. There's no, there's no nothing. And it's like, if you make stock, if you make stock the way that you would make it, uh, you know, in a kitchen or the way I was taught to make it in culinary school, it takes time. It takes care, um, to, to, to ultimately yield something that contains a lot of protein and gelatin and collagen, amino acids. I mean, it's, it's actually nourishment, right? You can actually benefit from it. Um, and it's a way to utilize the whole animal. And then that's like a whole nother thing, right? Because the stock, the meat industry is like hot garbage, right? It's terrible. Um, and so there's, which you guys are well, 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 well. um, and so, yeah, it's, we're in an interesting, um, it's an, we're in an interesting, um, crossroads, uh, I think. Um, but that's the difference, yeah. I would say. It, when I explain it as simply as possible, it's like, look, bone broth has like collagen and protein and like actually tastes good. And stock is like the stuff that has, it's void of any nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the main difference. So, but bone broth has become so popular. Mm-hmm. It's already, it's already kind of becoming a commodity in that there's no, there's no regulation on it. So you can just call whatever you want bone broth and, um, you know, that's happening. So there's a lot of private label brands. There's a lot of just stock and broth players that have been doing this for centuries who just like slap bone broth on the product. And now that's, that's bone broth. Uh, and the consumer who doesn't know anything is just, you know, they're just paying for the the words. Right. Um, so, you're, you're even seeing, you guys are even seeing that I'm sure. And I know I am in plant-based like slap plant-based on your label yeah. and you got a winner. I I hate the plant-based well, word. Yeah. I know. It's like you got you guys love it. You embrace it. You like eat, sleep, and breathe it like legitimately, but there's people that like it's just it sells yeah. products. People right? are like Yeah. Yeah. Or like people in general are like, I'm plant-based, but I still eat eggs and meat sometimes. I'm like No, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. All right. Baby steps. <laughs> Well, don't, yeah, anyway. Don't call it plant-based. Right. Do you have a, well, that's like, that's more of my personality. I'm just kind of like black and white. Yeah. Uh, kind of dick. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the dick part, but I know black and white. (laughs) Okay. Some people see that as being a dick, I guess that would be the better word. Um, you guys, do you guys have a plan to educate your market? The difference between stock broth and bone broth? Um, yeah, we, we, we do that through, like we, we've done that, like through our blog, we, we've created content around explaining the differences. Um, the cookbook, the cookbook is a, is a good mm-hmm. resource. Um, I remember when you got that and deal. then, and then like, what's that? I said, I remember when you scored that deal. I was like, yeah, yeah, deal. Yeah, that was a that was that was a gift from from above because we would have never. Um, I know. I was like, I remember when that happened. I was like, that just put that like changed your whole business philosophy, like not philosophy, but trajectory, trajectory. completely. Yeah, it really well, did. yeah, it's a, yeah. But I mean, the book's awesome. It's I'm super <laughs> glad we did it. It's I mean, we honestly like forget that we even have it sometimes. It's not um, you know beyond like the initial advance we got from the book. We did it doesn't. You know, it's not a real part of, we don't make any money from it. Um, but that advance allowed us to, to move to Medford and like Catherine to quit her job. Like we would have never been able to do it without that. Yeah. Um, so for that, we're grateful forever. <laughs> well, you also earned it. Making the books hard. It was really hard. I'll never forget. Cause that was, we got is- the book deal. I quit my job. We moved to Medford and then we got in a car accident and that, like just all of this stuff happened at once. And, and our manuscript, they kept moving the pub date up because they were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could if we could release this in January of next year? And this was like March. <laughs> and we were like, yeah. So what's involved in that? And they're like, so the manuscript is due on June 1st. And this is April, which means we have to develop and 
fact, wow. how many recipes? 125 recipes in the space of like two months and get them publication ready and then write all the other copy and get this new factory basically up and know. running. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we did it either. It was a lot of, I mean, I we didn't have write, a kid I at could the barely time, write a five page so. paper. I don't know how. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thankfully, your wife, was, though, your lovely wife, was just working as a journalist. So <laughs> that really, that was like the magic recipe, I think, for success on the book was just that I, I was able to do most of the writing, and then Ryan and his our friend Jeanette were able to do the recipe development. Oh, I didn't realize you had a co-writer. Um, yeah, because I didn't have. There was just no way to do everything. So I don't know if you remember Jeanette. She she came by the old place of work. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but she was a friend so I sweet. met. She's a friend I met in culinary school, and uh, and I actually we actually <laughs> like paid her to come up to Oregon for a month. She just was making. She was essentially testing recipes and things like that, and helping me like crank out these recipes because we had, we just had to do so many in such a little time. So yeah. Um, it was, yeah, but, a, it was a very tight timeline. It's that's it's how we did. Virtually unheard of in the publication world. It's yeah, crazy. I didn't know that. And I remember we were. So, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it was. It was exciting. It was exciting. A thrill. And wait, June first, by the way, happens to be our wedding anniversary date. So that was our first. Ah, and so the additional gift for your first anniversary is paper. So the joke is that we gave each other a book. <laughs> <laughs> the most stressful first anniversary ever like i can't believe how much we crammed into that first like, year happy anniversary i'm going to sleep <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> after a couple of cocktails i'm going to sleep yeah why did you guys move to um Oregon? yeah i was like medford um, yeah. in- uh because we didn't have any more space at the the old kitchen to <laughs> have any space. i'm sorry i'm laughing i should have laughed we were running out of space, um, and we needed to find our own space. And um, the like renting a commercial kitchen wasn't really an option because the broths cooked overnight. We cook them for like twenty hours at least, um, so you can't leave anything cooking overnight. So that took all of the commercial kitchen um, out of the question. Shared uh, shared commercial shared kitchens. kitchens, yeah. So then, then we're looking at restaurant spaces, but it, just in San Diego, it's so expensive because you're paying for location uh, for a restaurant, mm-hmm. which is like for us, we're like, we don't. It doesn't matter. We can ship this from like the desert. It doesn't really matter. Um, and her brother lived in Medford, Oregon. Um, he had he had been helping us out with marketing. Um, he had just started helping us out, and he's like, hey, you know, I know the food inspector. <laughs> it's such a tiny town; everyone knows everyone. So yeah. I flew up there, and I. Fu- I toured like three kitchens that were available. One of them was going to be, it was like 500 bucks a month, um, which was like less than I was paying. To have this whole kitchen to ourselves, this old sushi restaurant. So we just like converted it into a broth factory. And um, yeah, I flew up there that a week later I was driving up, you know, by myself and <clears throat> slept on her brother's floor for a month while I got the kitchen set up. And then she came up. And then we were there for two years. Mm-hmm. And now you're back in San Diego. Do you have a facility in San Diego or is it still produced up in, so it's still in Oregon? No, we have, we have, we use uh, contract manufacturers now. Oh, so, oh so yeah. So yeah. while we were in Oregon, we, um, while we were in Oregon, we were approached by an, like an investment group, like angel investors um, mm-hmm. who are interested in getting into the, into like the bone broth space. And so um, we ended up raising money from them and, um, that essentially helped fund like a rebrand and then um, uh, being able to scale into a, a contract manufacturer, mm-hmm. like to meet their minimum, uh, you know, their, their minimum order size. The the funny thing about that group of investors, by the way, is that they're all based in Southern California. Yeah. So as soon as we moved up to Oregon, this group of SoCal investors reaches out to us. So it was kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it makes more sense because then your margins are better for an investor that's yeah that's true i don't know but i was just kind of like look overhead was a lot lower yeah. in payroll 
yeah, they didn't have an issue with where we were located at all. I don't think yeah. it, we tried to get one of one or several of them to come visit, and nobody wanted to make the trip. <laughs> Shockingly, like, what's Medford? Like, what? <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> AKA Methford, yeah, in case right. you were wondering. Oh, jeez. God. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you left before you had kids. Guys, I'm not kidding. As soon as we moved out of our kitchen, our commercial kitchen in Medford, a week later, they found a dead body in the creek behind it. It was a sketchy. It was just sketchy. It was real sketchy. I probably shouldn't talk about that on a family podcast, but... <laughs> I don't think I don't think people I don't think families listen to this podcast because <laughs> they would all just skip all my episodes. It's a it's a cold world out there. It is a cold world. These are the hard life lessons. <laughs> don't move to Medford and <laughs> have some podcasts yeah, in your backyard. Just it. Oh yeah. <laughs> But out, outsourcing manufacturing and fulfillment was, that was a big milestone for us because we had previously not been able to keep up with demand as it was growing. And so it was really, really clutch for us to be able to stop driving over to our commercial kitchen to make sure the cooler, the walk-in was on at midnight, Yeah, you know, to not have to worry about stuff like that anymore and just focus on scaling and selling was oh, so freeing. That is, that's the best. What, so what was the biggest, what's been the biggest hurdle for you guys as a company? Like maybe now and then, you know, as you were growing, I guess. Maybe, yeah, I'm sure there's phases, but they were yeah. talk, yeah. talked about the biggest, the biggest hurdle was meeting, like one of the biggest was meeting. Demand. Yeah. But is that still now or like what's um, your biggest hurdle now? I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because mm-hmm. like at each, each season has different hurdles and at the time they feel like the biggest hurdle. So mm-hmm. if like it's like the biggest hurdle to like get this thing moved to Oregon and like keep going and like you know you kind of like come through the dust on the other side that you're like oh my gosh we're still alive <laughs> people, we're still like making the product and people are still buying it like great okay now what do we do and then it was like trying to scout trying to find a manufacturer which took like between like locating them and like uh you know commercializing the product took like a year um did you have to go visit those facilities to make sure that they were like what's that? What you guys needed? Did you have to go visit those facilities to make sure that it was like what you guys needed, or was it? Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I've I'm to this day. I actually just got back. I was just somewhere yesterday in Utah. Um, but I'm I'm really big on like going and meeting people face to face, like old school style. You know, like give them the handshake, like show up, like show them you mean business. Like I'm like I just. I just called you. I just found you yesterday. I'm on the phone with you today. And like, I'm on a plane tomorrow because I want, you know, like yeah. we, we're serious. So yeah, I, I flew out there. Like I like to see the facilities and how they do things. Um, and it's really, it's good for me too. Cause I'm very visual. Like I like to see and understand how they're, it's all going to come together, you know? Um, other hurdles and but i think initially that that was a big hurdle um and then we did that and our product at the time was still frozen and we were like you know we made that leap to the contract manufacturer and like then we were able to like shift our fulfillment out of house into like a fulfillment center so like essentially everything at that point is automated like we just order product and then it's mm-hmm. just like a logistics game of moving it around and then you know the fulfillment center is integrated with our store so they just fulfill orders automatically and it's like a beautiful thing and then so then we're trying to focus on retail but we have this frozen product and it's not like you know we're getting into some retail and it's like this whole thing we didn't know anything about like <laughs> merchandising and like categories and margins and like brokers broker and pricing like, we had yeah. no idea how to price for retail yeah. i would say getting into distribution for retail was a huge that was that was a big hurdle, and then figuring out how to make money in distribution was another big hurdle, and that took us a while, and it required reformulation and pivoting from frozen to shelf stable. Okay, I can't remember if it was you guys, but that your first major retailer that you got into, like your pricing was off, and you guys almost went under getting into that retailer. Was that was that bare bones? Uh, it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, yeah, we we didn't understand like what the margin structure needed to be. And like, if you get that stuff wrong, once you 
are in distribution, it's really, really hard to fix. And it, it always costs the brand money to fix to it, to fix it, like, like insane amounts of money, like unreasonable mm-hmm. amounts of money. Um, yeah. Is that because the, the distribution company and the stores are just like, this is the price you gave me, you have to stick to it? or Yeah, yeah. it takes... It, t- it just for, takes a long time. It takes fix, at so. least three months to fix it. To, to like If you uh, want to submit a price increase, it takes three months for the distributor to publish it. And then for it takes sometimes up to a year for a retailer to implement it because they do these category reviews and they set everything on a category review schedule and it's once a year. Um, so that includes their margin and their pricing. And if you submit a price increase in the middle of the year, then you have to give them an everyday low cost until the next category review so that they can increase the price, which, which comes out of your margin. So as I say, yeah, so, as I say, it's like, so a quarter goes by, you realize you're losing a point or two points. And then you're like, fuck, we got to fix this. And then a whole year goes by before you even like, you can just have to continually bleed. Yeah. For a whole yeah. yeah, or maybe it's your brutal. yeah your, your price, you know, maybe you get you get in and then your your just your price ends up just being way too high on shelf and there's like no velocity. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I mean, at that point, it's or you're next to the fish sticks. Yeah, or in our case, we were merchandise in the freezer where no one in the history of buying broth has ever went to buy broth. So, okay. Um, and so then in terms of hurdles, the next hurdle was like, we transitioned from frozen to shelf stable, which is basically like starting a new business, um, for and, all intents and purposes. And again, very, 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 very expensive and risky. And we lost every retailer. Um, cause it's obvious it's like a different category manager in each retailer and the, we basically have to go through the whole process all what, over what again. What year did you go shelf stable? 2018? 2017. November of 2017. Heading into broth season, we basically lost all of our accounts. But you know who you know who we didn't lose and who was absolutely amazing through this whole thing? Wegmans. Wegmans. Somehow Holly is a stalker and got the info for our local one very Good. recently. So. Good. Oh, nice. Now they have one, like in the center. It's like 10 minutes from our kitchen. So, it's so close to so us. Yeah. That's, that's Wegman, perfect. Do you have a, a Wegmans? Yeah, yeah, they just built it in October. Ooh, oh, that's, awesome. that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah I've noticed. I'm, I'm a little jealous because I love that. Everyone was there. Like, I just watched people's stories because I follow up people in Raleigh. And they were there at like 3 a.m. <laughs> lining up. And it was literally like, it was around like, the building. It, the oh, plaza wow. is like the size of a mall. And it was literally like wrapped around Jeez. the mall. Unreal. I'm like, it's a store, guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice it's a nice, a really nice grocery. Yeah. It is a really nice grocery store, and they're good people. They're good people to do business with. They're good to their people. They're just, they're great. What was the transition like going from um, frozen to shelf stable? Besides, like, you guys the, had to re- besides the massive amount of competitors, yeah. Um, so the transition. <laughs> That we had a lot of like logic and uh, behind it and reasons for it. One of which was um, in consumer packaged goods, you want to be able to put your product in the store where people are looking for that item or, or for the, something. The yeah, the intent for that item. Purchase intent. The purchase <laughs> intent. Yeah. So the freezer was never a good place to be for a bone broth because. Very few people walk into a store thinking, I'm going to go to the freezer for my bone broth or for my broth. I'm going to the broth aisle for my broth. Or I need something to cook my meal with, cook my rice with. They don't think of going to the freezer. So um, that was part of it. And then for us, also the distribution costs of Frozen. Um, We are always on a mission to be increasingly more sustainable in our operations and shipping frozen blocks of ice around the country is like about the least sustainable thing you can do. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You guys still have direct to consumer. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. I bet that. Was yeah. Great. That too. Switching, switching out of that. No more insulators, no more dry ice. Yeah. It's a game. Yeah, exactly. So big game changer. Yeah. So right, the, I cut you off. <laughs> that's okay no so we um we made the transition and of course got over that that hump of like just the expense and the difficulty and 
setting up the new items. And then the challenge became, there are all these other competitors already in the set that we're going into. Um, and they have more market share because they've been in the set for longer and they're doing well. And um, it's just, it's been a challenge to be able to tell our story uh, and differentiate ourselves. And we've found for the liquid product line that our sweet spot is telling the story of why we're the most premium shelf stable option. Cause there are lots of shelf stable options and there are a lot of bad shelf stable options. There are some good ones too, but we, we call bare bones, the top shelf bone broth. Like this is the pinnacle of achievement for a shelf stable bone broth. It is everything that you want in a bone broth. It yeah. gels when it's cold. It's convenient. You can heat it in the pouch if you want to. And it takes. Wait, hold on. It gels when it's it gels when yeah. it's cold. Yeah. Like it's it's gel, it's gelatinized Shel- on the No, shelf. no, no, no. Just if you throw it in the fridge. Oh, like in the yeah. fridge? Oh, okay. But like once you open it, you put it in the fridge, obviously. Yeah. And then it will gelatinize in yeah. the fridge. That makes me happy because when you first went shelf stable, I was like, Ryan sold out. <laughs> and we get that. Every time we make any change, hey, look, you know, any change with our products, yeah, <laughs> we it, get that. It was, yeah, and, it, and that part of that was like visiting and like just getting a better understanding for like how we were making it shelf stable um, in the process. And, and ultimately, like, yeah, having to make a decision like this business could potentially die if we just stay in the freezer. Um, is Are we really changing the product and, and are we really... Um, you know, able to sort of deliver the promise, I guess, is what it came down to for me. Like, can we deliver the, can we deliver the promise? Like, yeah, it's a compromise. Um, but are we still able to like deliver the promise of what we set out to do? Um, so then there's been a lot of decisions like that in the business, like, you know, to, to do like even the powdered stuff at first, like I wasn't really fully on board with it. Um, it took me a long time to sort of like wrap my head around it and like think bigger than like my own little, you know, creative mind and the vision that I've always had. So mm-hmm. um, I, why didn't you want to do that? Um, Cause I didn't understand like how, how the products were made. Um, and I didn't understand. I think I was just, when I first came into this, you know, coming fresh out of culinary school and working at like farm to table restaurants and stuff. Like I had always, there was a piece of me. I think I still wanted to do that. I think part, <clears throat> part of me still wanted to, to, to be like involved in like this sort of farm to table piece of it. But like, it's really hard and with what we were doing, it was very hard and very competitive. And so it was like, I I guess I wasn't willing to like shut my doors to, to like keep this product frozen. I just wasn't willing to do that. Mm -hmm. I was, I thought we could, I thought once I learned about the process and like we tested it, ran the product through it, understood like how it was affecting the product and what the end result would be and how convenient it would be and how we were still able to deliver the pro on the, on the promise of nutrition um, that I was okay with it. And I thought it would be ultimately our goal is to like get, is to, is to like expect as many people as we can and to like maybe make someone help make people make better decisions throughout their day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And with the powdered broth, like it's essentially like you're take, making broth, dehydrating it. So yeah, it's a little more processed than like a broth I make in my house. Right. But like a broth you make in your house or even our liquid broth is really not convenient. You can't take that. You can't fly with that or take it with you, or it's just, it's kind of inconvenient. It's really inconvenient. It's mm-hmm. frozen because you have to like thaw it out and then feed it. <laughs> uh, the powder is like, I just tear the stick pack, mix it in. It's like, it's really cool. Cause we're looking into like, we've, we're looking into like compostable like film and pouches. And so like we've essentially in terms of like, in just bone broth, we, we've just consistently worked toward like more like sustainable product ultimately for, for the consumer, for the planet, and for the consumer, both in that they're going to feel better about like not having to just throw packaging all over the planet. Also, they, we're not shipping water. It's more sustainable that way. Also, it's it's cheaper to make this product um, just because it's less, there's less involved, right? Um, it's just, it's like a simple broth that you dehydrate. It's collagen protein. It's like spices and herbs. You kind of blend this all together, dissolves in the water. Um, and it's more affordable. So sustainable from like a, like a pocketbook, you know, standpoint, right? Like you can sell somebody something, but it's like, if they can't afford it long-term, it's not really helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, Is, are you the first bone powdered bone? We're powder? not. No. In fact, we're the, we're only like the second savory option. That's the big difference is we're still, we're savory. We didn't go like the protein powder direction, which 
that's like a huge business that we, we're not going to get into, but it's like, it's literally like, oh, like bone broth protein. protein. Yeah. That are like yeah. chocolate flavored, vanilla flavored, uh, you know, pumpkin spice, they have every flavor under the sun. I didn't know that there was bone broth protein. Like we're I know used, collagen, to, but to, I didn't know there was bone broth. Is it just collagen protein and people call it bone broth protein? It's it's literally called bone broth protein and it's it's literally bone broth powder and then they just make it taste like chocolate or whatever. Uh, and that was that was like my first yeah that was the first like bone broth supplement I saw and I was just like you know head desk I'm like oh god I, and I never imagined <laughs> that bone broth would get would go to that place like I just I I could never <laughs> saw that when I was like starting out I just. So that was a big thing for me when when we started looking at powders and stuff. I'm like, I'm not doing a vanilla. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> so, so your flavors are still like the chicken, the beef. Yeah, chicken, beef, and then, the, and then I'm I'm really we're really interested in um in looking into like plant plant based. <laughs> your favorite word. Um, essentially, like. It, powders that are um, like making broth powders that are nutrient dense. that are savory that deliver like you know 10 grams of protein no sugar and like moderate calories but it's you know it's not from it's not from animal products um which i've discovered i've found like we've been researching different types of proteins that are like that are soluble um in water but that aren't like you know chalky like a pea protein or something um don't say too much don't say, i'm not gonna say too much <laughs> that's actually funny Shane will always say like bare bones broth should make a. What do you always say? Not bare bones, bones, not, not bones, uh, bare yeah, bones broth yeah. or something. Yes. I was like, because I, I feel like because like the cost would be so much cheaper because we literally don't have to use any animal products. Yep. Yeah. But that's just my. I always talk. But then you have like a round, like a full rounded line of your beef, your chicken, oh, yeah. and your. We yeah, yeah. agree. Yeah. In, in fact, when we went we're to, looking, a, we're, do, we're working on it. We are working on it, and when we went to our category yeah. review meeting with the soup buyer at Whole Foods Market, she told us that is what she's looking for. She wants. The the, the powdered or the veggie broth. Veggie anything. broth. Anything. Anything. Anything that's vegan. Well, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, so, just fell on my purse. You can have it. Wait, so you're you're trying to make that transition to meet the market's demands? Is that like more so, or? No, I mean, I think I think it's I think it's really about and and part of the reason we've we've ended up, you know, we had a frozen broth and we had a chauffeur broth. Now we have a powdered broth. Like it's really just about listening. Like I think listening to your customers and then off, but also the market, like what's happening. It's I, to me, in, in our opinion, it's just kind of naive to think, uh, to not do that. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of ignorant. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's like, we could do something that fits like our values and our brand. We don't have to like, we don't have to, we don't have to just jump in with like a me too product. Right. We can, we can create something that's unique to our brand, uh, and embodies our brand and our value, our personal and brand values, but also delivers like on what people expect you know and, and there's really not any good like i haven't seen any and i ha- definitely haven't seen a powder like a like a plant like a vegan vegetarian broth mm-hmm. that tastes really good that's like but it's also like a snack um which is kind of the concept of our instant broths are, they're snacks um and they're it's kind of like what you're saying too they're not very like nutrient dense like they have all like good ingredients in them but then when you look at the actual like nutrition in it it's like where like what is it just what like i don't understand it's just yeah, water. Yeah, like, veggie stock. yeah veggie yeah. stock it's like yeah it's like has all of those like flavors or whatever like the garlic and all that stuff but there's no like there's still no like nutrients right, like, in it i feel like it's like flavored water yeah yeah, yeah exactly. flavored water exactly like, what the heck so like <laughs> it's insulting it's, it's kind of and it's, it's like a missed opportunity right because if you use broth to cook like I could use this broth that's like infusing my food with, you know, protein and calcium or, you know, all kinds of other things. Like you can, you can make broths that are like seaweed based and, you know, has iodine. I mean, you could, you could like infuse broths with all kinds of like yeah. nutrients. Um, and then essentially. Oh, I heard a podcast. There's like some seaweed that's only on like one state coastline. It might be Maine or somewhere crazy, but it has like a, a ridiculous amount of protein Per seaweed bundle, it was like twenty five grams. It was, someone talked about it one time, being like it was. It's like the legit yeah. best food for greens. Wow! But it's a it's a very, very but yeah. 
I was on a podcast, but we don't know I'm a podcast junkie. So I'll probably never <laughs> hey, find yeah. it. <laughs> I'll have to go look for that. That sounds amazing. Seaweed. Ryan actually, I think Ryan was one of the first people to put me on the podcast. Nice. Good job. So I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you put me on Lewis House. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I used, I I don't listen to nearly as as many podcasts as I used to. Um, just I think just like my time. I want to, you know, yeah, I mean, in my mind, I'm a podcast junkie. And then I, I look at my, like, I listen to it. I'm like, oh, I go, go, go through phases though. I'm like, I'll just do it for a lot for like three, four weeks. And I'm like, I, I'm like, then I'll fall off. Yeah. But we, yeah. we, we've like had this new um, piece to our routine where we, we take turns walking the dogs every night. Um, just cause they weren't getting like outside enough. And so we're like, do you still have the dog? Yeah, we have two. We, we picked one up in Oregon. Good. Yeah. See, Holly knows. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I think it's Murphy, the black. I know because your new dog looks just like Murphy. Yeah. Like, I sometimes can't tell them apart. I'm like, how are they like, not related? But they're literally twins. <laughs> they she's do. She's a mini version of him. Yeah, she's a much daintier version of Murphy. Grace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we, we take them on a walk each night and listen to our podcasts yeah. during that time, which is nice. Yeah, it's like one of those, like one of those, yeah, it's one of those routine things that just, you get, you get the dogs walked and you get to listen to like an ebook or a podcast or whatever. And it's great. Or just think, you know, sometimes you're so busy with like business and marriage and a kid. It's like, when do you even have time to think your own thoughts? I don't know. You don't, you never. (laughs) Wait, I want to jump into that real quick because I know I don't want to keep you guys too long, but I want to know like, what is it like working together? Do you guys? like have do you work on different things or like what are what are guidelines that you've set up to make sure that your marriage can be successful but also that you can be successful business partners oh man that's a that's a great question that is a great question we do you want to start or do you want me to (laughs) i don't know what's the rule um well i'll i'll start by saying early on um it's hard early on we had no boundaries around work and work was life and that made things really hard and really complicated and um i don't know it it probably hurt our marriage relationship so yeah we didn't make space for the you know for the marriage it just kind of it's really easy when you're doing something together well you guys know this like you're building something together it's like you just can it's exciting. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's a thrill. It's awesome. Like you're building something together, but then, you know, you wake up one day and you're like, we haven't like went on a date or like, we haven't like not talked about the business or whatever. And like, yeah. So it's, we had to get really mind. We had to get really intentional, I think, um, about making that space. And, um, it's, it's, it's common baby steps over the years. Like we're in a really good place now, but it's not mm-hmm. been easy to get here. You know, having having um, uh, you know Ansel being born was like a big piece to that, right? Yeah, because um, we kind of had to at that point. <laughs> so the guardrails for us are, um, I think it's really important, at least for us, for our natures, it's important for us to be on a strict schedule, as if we had a boss. So we come to work, you know, nine thirty to. 4.30. That's our work day right now because of limitations of childcare and all that. Um, and we do the gym every morning. We do the gym first. So we drop Ansel off. We'll go to the gym. That's like critical. And then come into work and we work really hard for the seven, eight, nine hours that we're able to be here. And then we go home. We Well, we pick up Ansel and we go home. And at once we get home, it's family time. Um, we can talk about work, but we don't typically work unless there's literally somebody is going to die. If something, if we don't do something like we just really, we try really hard not to work at home. Yeah. There are, there are always things like these it's category review, like season right now. So there's a lot of, you know, once Ansel goes down, it's like, there's work to do. We do it. Yeah. And, and we have like some big, yeah. There, there's a season right now where we are doing a little bit of work at home, but it, it's an intentional thing that we talk about. Okay, like this year is go time. This is a very busy season for this year. We're going to have to agree that we're going to work from home in the evenings for a little while each night. Um, and so I think that's 
that's helped a lot. And, and then just continuing on the weekends to do weekend stuff, like to do th- things that friends would do together because your partner is your friend. They're your best friend for your whole life. So it's really important to have shared experiences together outside of work because work can be so intense, especially when you're running a startup in food. Um, <laughs> so in terms of what we do at work, we do have different roles. Um, I, I manage finances, investors, I do the sales and a lot of ops. And then Ryan is research and development, brand management and marketing. And she's, he does some. She's basically the, she's the CEO. I'm the, I'm the president. She's the Shane and I'm the CEO. <laughs> it's, but there's a lot of overlap between our jobs and that, that can cause some tension sometimes. And it gets really, it can get heated <laughs> at times if we feel like one person is holding something up or if we have different opinions about stuff. But I think we found good ways to communicate respectfully. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think we really, it took us a while longer than it should have probably to set up sort of you know, clear boundaries of like, this is usually your responsibilities, these are yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, then not micromanage <clears throat> each other. All of that gets easier as you build a team too. Easier and harder. Cause then you have other people to manage and lean on and, and it, it becomes a lot more clear. Like this, per- this person does operations and I manage that person. So I'm the operations guy or girl, you know? <laughs> yeah it's definitely like a I mean we always talk about this because what you guys were just talking about where it's like all work like that's what we're in right now and then it's funny because like every couple you talk to who works together they like go through that phase whether they're like at our phase right now or they're where you guys are where you're like okay we're finally figuring it out like (laughs) after years of just like no time that's like you know this is work time and then of course like you guys know having a kid like you were just saying, it restricts how much you can work and you want to be able to spend time with your child and like be really present with them. That really becomes more difficult because it's like your baby is your actual baby that you birthed, but it's also like your baby is your company. So you're like, I want to give attention to both of you. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's so hard. Yeah. And one of them is like potentially or is your livelihood, right? So it's, it's hard. It's a hard balance, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like a beautiful, balance as well to be able to do everything together it's, it's really special not mm-hmm. not many people get to do it so yeah. it's really easy to it's it's really easy i think to get under each other's skin um <laughs> <laughs> if, if you let it happen right like it's yeah it's just everyone has their, their days right but you, ultimately it's it's really awesome it's a huge blessing and um yeah yeah it's just about being <laughs> being mindful take each day, one day at a time, and just give your best, show up and give your best each day, I think, and um, stay aligned, communicate. Expectations are just everything to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got, I got to know what to expect. Are you working tonight? Are you not? Like, I get real, I can get like real bent out of shape if I, if I feel like she's working during family time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, like, are you I'm like, are you working? Like, what are you working on? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> yeah (laughs) we learned that one I mean you guys are in the thick of it you're following a really I think it's probably a common a common trajectory like you said Holly just you'll you'll go through that and I think that's fine it's it's like when your baby when your business is on life support essentially like you don't really have the luxury of leaving it side so you guys will figure out the best way to manage that and manage your relationship as you get, get through it and you'll be on the other yeah. side eventually. Oh, I was going to say, what do you think is the biggest lesson that Ansel has taught you? That, that the, while the business is really important and it's really meaningful and, and um, a big part of our lives, it's, it's so small. Like what happens with the business doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, what matters is our family and our relationships, um, not just with Ansel, but with each other and with our community and our families. I think my eyes have just been really open to like 
the business at the end of the day, yes, it's our livelihood, but it's an experiment. And sometimes experiments fail. Sometimes they succeed. Um, you always learn something from them. And so what happens with the business long term, while it still like matters a ton to me, and, and I'm really excited about the trajectory the business is on right now, like it matters less than I think it did pre-Ansel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any input for that, Ryan? <laughs> You can't answer you can't use your answer. Yeah, I can't. I that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> if there's anything he's talking. I mean, I would it's very similar to me. I think, you know, we used to we used to eat, sleep and breathe this. And now we have that special space with him and it's real it's it's really just brought perspective, like Catherine was saying. I mean, the business is still really important. We still show up and give a hundred and fifty percent every day and um, but it's, it's just it, to have that perspective to, to, to just be able to spend every day with them, like a, to be his parents, like what a freaking blessing, right? Like to see someone grow and develop every single day. Um, so it really just forced you to slow down and just live in the moment a little more. I think it was, there was probably some years there that are like just blurs, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think just being a little more mindful and a little more present, it's, it's, at least for me anyway, I'm a little, I'm more mindful, I'm more present and more intentional, I think, than I was before he uh, arrived. And it's just, it's been better for the business. It's been better for my own, you know, like personal health, probably mental health and, and for our marriage as well. Mm-hmm. Gives us something else to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like business, baby. What else yeah, do like, we well, have? Like I was climbing out of the bed right now. and At five in the morning. Like, he climbs out of his crib. You don't even hear him. He's like a ninja. You just hear like our bedroom door opening. And, and, and... Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> like just staring at you while you're sleeping. Oh, no, no. He, no, he comes, comes and in jumps in bed. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. It's pretty cute. Unless it's five in the morning. <laughs> he just climbs so, up. Yeah. He doesn't just like fall out of his crib. No, he's not. He, like, not one time. No? I've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for just a thud, but it hasn't happened. Yeah, he's apparently a skilled climber. <laughs> he just feet. Yeah, I, I hear his door open and then I hear a little feet scurry. Oh! <laughs> and then I hear our door open. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> Here it comes. Uh, Will he get into, like, will he fall back asleep or is he just like up? He's like, I'm ready to go. Um, This is a new development. This is, very this new. is day three. Yeah. So. He had probably like a month or two ago, he had climbed out for the first time. We were like, oh my gosh, like, what do we do? This changes things. But then we just put him back in. And then we put him back back in and then he went back to sleep. And then he hadn't been, he he just like stopped getting out. And then now all of a sudden he's every morning. Now he's getting out and like making a run for it. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to try. I actually was. Got on Amazon today, and I ordered him a little nightlight and a timer. And the time, the nightlight will come on in the morning when it's okay for him to get out of his crib. Oh, smart! We'll see how that works. I think if we can get him to stay in his room, that's fine. Yeah, or yeah, if he can stay in- just lock him in there, like read some books or something. Yeah. <laughs> Stop at seven a.m. No, Ansel, he'll figure out how to hack the timer to make it come on at the time he wants it to come on. <laughs> So My nightlight's on, Mom. I don't know what you were to say. <laughs> you told me I could come out when it comes on. You walk into the He's like, "Why did that happen?" <laughs> yep, too smart for his own good. Oh, that's too good. All right, one last question before we let you guys go. Thank you so much. I yeah, just want to say thanks so much for coming on. You know, we love you thanks guys. We appreciate you mm-hmm. and all your help that really you've cool. you you've helped us with. Um, okay, last question is, if you had to choose one word to set the tone for Bare Bones Broth for 2020, what would it be? <laughs> one word. Focus. That's it. Just focus. Focus. Right. Execution. That's, that's, one, that's one of my words. Right. <laughs> that's a good word. <laughs> that's, that's one of those words that you have on a sticky note everywhere. I have it written in my garage. Like it's one of the first words you see when as soon as you walk out into my gym. I love it. Y'all's gym is epic, by the way. One of these days I want to work out there. Yeah. 
I know. I was going to say, when you come visit Raleigh, I'll let you right on my wall. <laughs> yeah. You're putting me to shame, but I want to work out there.